Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Days before the big CNN debates, Joe Biden says, hey, no more, no more Mr. Nice Guy. The lead starts right now. As the 2020 Democrats prepare for the next showdown, Joe Biden firing back at the two candidates who will be next to him on stage, including one who called him an architect of mass incarceration. Democrats debating the next move after Mueller and whether to take their shot at impeachment, even though Mueller's testimony did not exactly cause Democrats to stampede to join the impeachment crowd. Plus, high-level trolling or someone who doesn't internet well? How did President Trump end up appearing in front of a fake presidential seal with golf clubs and the Russian coat of arms? Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. We begin with the politics lead in House Democrats now facing a critical decision, debating whether to move forward with an impeachment inquiry following former special counsel Robert Mueller's testimony on Capitol Hill. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi today making it clear that she will not discourage Democrats from supporting an impeachment inquiry, though she personally does not support it, at least not yet. This after a day of testimony that was substantively devastating for President Trump. The former special counsel, in addition to testifying that he did not exonerate Mr. Trump or clear him of obstruction of justice, despite Trump claims, underlined that the Trump team welcomed Russian help, met with money Russians, and lied about it repeatedly to the American people. Asked about then-candidate Trump's exuberant extolling of WikiLeaks' use of emails stolen from Americans by Russian hackers, Mueller said the president gave hope or some boost to a crime. Asked if the president was not truthful in his written answers to the special counsel about contacts with the Russians, Mr. Mueller said generally, yes, the president was untruthful on the substance. It all painted an ugly picture. But Mr. Mueller was a reluctant witness and on occasion a shaky one. And the hearings do not seem to be the momentous turning point that many House Democrats were hoping for. And as CNN's Caitlin Collins reports for us now, President Trump and his allies are trying to claim victory. With prospects of his impeachment stalled for now, President Trump is brushing off damning assertions by Robert Mueller and touting his testimony as a victory instead. Phony cloud, that's all it was. Visiting the new defense secretary at the Pentagon today, as sources say he's declaring vindication behind the scenes. Showed that team, excuse me, it's my time. One day after Robert Mueller's testimony fell short of what Democrats were hoping for and exceeded Republicans' expectations, many in Washington are left wondering what's next. And House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says she won't discourage her caucus on impeachment. Never have done that. I've never, never have done that. But Democrats are now being forced to confront that the only way to beat Trump may be at the ballot box in 2020. The clock is ticking. The White House is working to weaponize the outcome of Mueller's testimony. The real culprits have all not been investigated yet. Though questions remain about how triumphant the president should be. 
He has repeatedly claimed the special counsel's report exonerated him. I've been totally exonerated. An assertion Mueller flatly rejected. That is not what your report said, is it? Correct. That is not what the report said. But it's this question from Wednesday's hearing. You could charge the president of the United States with obstruction of justice after he left office. Yes. That sources say is irritating the president. And let me just tell you, the fact that you even asked that question, you're fake news. Now, Jake, someone might look at the facts of what happened yesterday and wonder how the White House can view that as a win with Robert Mueller criticizing the president, directly contradicting him at times. But people inside the White House believe yesterday they were able to uh, effectively slow this drumbeat of impeachment. And with Congress going into recess starting later today, they are hoping that that could slow down even further. All right, Caitlin Collins at the White House, thanks so much. Uh, let's chew over all this with my experts. Uh, Kirsten, let me start with you. House Democrats are now focusing their attention and trying to get the special counsel's grand jury evidence and trying to force some of the key witnesses like Don McGahn and others to mm -hmm. testify. But let's be frank, if Mueller's own testimony and report can't get Democrats, uh, a majority of them, to support impeachment, will anything? I actually think Don McGahn could be an even more interesting person uh, to have testify. So I think it could be different. I, I, there was this buildup with, with Mueller, I think, when I think it should have been expected that it wasn't going to be exactly scintillating uh, testimony. But I think if you look at uh, somebody like Adam McGahn, that would be more akin to what happened with the Nixon impeachment, where things started to move when they started, you know, hearing like from John Dean, for example. That's when people started looking at it and saying like, oh, there's something going on here. And you started to see people shifting more towards wanting impeachment. I don't think Mueller was ever going to deliver that. I, th I, I do think if you did start impeachment hearings and you were to be able to get somebody like Adam McGahn Mm -hmm. under oath talking, it does have the potential to change things. Uh, we should mention, uh, David Urban, that you're a consultant uh, to the Trump campaign. Uh, <laughs> focusing on Pennsylvania or no? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just you know, trying to help out trying to help I out. Can. Well, I just want to make sure everybody sure. knows. So do you agree with that? Do you agree that Don McCann might uh, change the, 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 the might change things around in the House? Well, listen, so, so I think... It, 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 we keep seeing the movement of the goalposts. Just wait till the smaller part comes out. It is going to be the bombshell of bombshells, and everyone's opinion is going to change. The report comes out, crickets. Wait till he comes up on the hill and testifies, and he comes up and testifies, crickets. And look, I think the I think the speaker's very very smart. She's a very smart woman. She she looks around. She says, I have thirty plus members in, in seats that were you know Trump districts. And I will not be speaker if we start impeachment proceedings come two years from now. My, my consensus, my, 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 my thinking on that. Do you, th do you think uh, if that's what Nancy Pelosi is thinking, and she certainly is not supporting impeachment, I mean, she's not standing in the way of anybody, but it's a minority. I think it's the number is something like uh, 93, I think. 93, something like yeah, that. But still, range. yeah, um, it's still a minority. I mean, if she wanted impeachment, she'd be pushing people to come out. I'm sure there are people that to support it, but don't see an advantage in coming out right now. Why isn't she supporting it? There is a thinking among the Democrats that uh, impeachment could end up working out in Donald Trump's favor. Um, I, I would say that perhaps Democrats have missed their moment. Uh, it's gone on too long. They waited too long before, the, before really making this case to the public in a very overt way. Uh, we didn't necessarily have to wait for the uh, president to sign off. Why couldn't they have brought up Corey Lewandowski? He didn't work for the government. So there's no reason to, have had, to not have had Corey Lewandowski in front of one of these committees to tell his story of Donald Trump trying to get him to fire Jeff Sessions, um, which I think, for my money, is the best episode in the entire series <laughs> of the Mueller report is, is the Corey Lewandowski episode. He tells Corey Lewandowski, according to Lewandowski, 
uh, tell Sessions to restrain what the special counsel is looking into. So it's only future presidents, not me. And then uh, tells Lewandowski and uh, it, tell him if he doesn't meet with you, then I'm going to fire him. And, and, and dictates, the president dictates a, a, a farcical speech that he wants the, uh, the attorney general to read. And then Lewandowski takes it home with him or his office, sticks it in a safe where he keeps it for months. <laughs> I mean, the whole story is just really is ripe for uh, reenactment. Um, but anyway. They should have found a way to do that. I think we may, be, we may have missed that moment. But in history, i got to tell you, I think Democrats are going to look very bad in history for not have taken the uh, majority that they won off of opposing Donald Trump and then using that majority to oppose Donald Trump and hold him accountable for what it is he did. As what do you think, Amanda? The Russia fatigue is real, but Democrats should make a decision that, listen, we're not going to impeach him. We're just going to beat him at the ballot box. You have plenty of ammunition to use against him. I think there was compelling substance from the Mueller testimony yesterday, but the Democrats have to put it together. It's like they're hoping someone will give us the answers to this test and give us an easy way out of this. That is not going to happen. So pivot from what you learned from the Mueller report and make this a referendum on Donald Trump's character. There are so many examples of the lying, the attempted obstruction of justice, justice, the signal boosting of illegally obtained Russian information. If you can't make an argument out of that, go home. Does I don't President think they can. Tr- I think that's the problem. I don't think they can. I mean, because they're sort- bad communicators? I don't know. They've just shown us how they're going to handle it, and they've just mishandled it. And I think if you even look at the testimony... Um, you know, I heard a lot of people complaining about the Republicans and how aggressive they were with Mueller. That's actually what you're supposed to do, right? right? I mean, I, I just watched them and they're like, they're doing what they're supposed to do. I found it obnoxious, but it, but it was effective, right? They, they actually were getting him to stumble. They were getting him to, he was confused. That's what you're supposed to be doing. And the, and the Democrats, instead of coddling him, should have been prosecuting this. They should have been coming in, instead of with this ridiculous, let's reenact something that was already in the report and we're going to reread it to everybody, what was the point and of Jake, that? And Jake, yesterday, yesterday, what we saw is then Mitch McConnell stands in the way of letting two election security bills come out of the United States he Senate. He said they were partisan, but yes. That's well, a, whatever. I then offer that. a Republican bill, right. right, for election security. And why isn't Rick Scott, if we're, Democrats should have Rick Scott on a, on, a, on a frying pan every day because he's in a state where we know the Russians penetrated their election, uh, uh, their election machinery. We know that. And Rick Scott did not vote for this bill. And Rick Scott doesn't offer another bill that he ought to put forward to protect elections in the United States. That, to me, is malpractice. Very quickly, David, does President Trump, does he think that impeachment would work to his benefit? That if the Democrats did this, it would help him? Look, I don't know whether the president thinks one way or not had a discussion with him on it. But I would say that I know out in the, in the hustings, right? I think people, you know, just look back. You press the rewind button and look at the Clinton administration, right? Look at the Clinton years. Look what happened in that situation, right? Bill Clinton was impeached, and it sure didn't work well for... It's a totally different situation. It's so different. No, 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 it really isn't, because the politics politics of it remain the same. They don't. Listen, the base of this party and the base of the Democratic Party... Both love but they're not the same. But it's different. Politics don't work because the Democrats have never explained the why for impeachment. It, it, Every time we have a scenario here, it goes, what does this do for impeachment? We never discuss the why, and that is the problem. Okay, you just remember what? this. You know Bill what? Clinton went on television in yeah. August and accepted responsibility for what he did wrong. Donald Trump has never accepted responsibility. Okay, we have to move on. I'm going to ask a key lawmaker who questioned Robert Mueller and wants impeachment what the next move should be. Maybe I'll even ask her your question. Why? Amanda, that's coming up next. And President Trump appears in front of a Photoshop presidential seal, seeming to mock him as a puppet of Russia. How in the world did this happen? Stay with us. 
And sticking with our politics lead right now, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi delivering a direct message to House Democrats on impeachment. Each member should do what he or she needs to do. But at this point, she herself is not ready to pull the trigger on an official impeachment inquiry. Joining me now is Democratic Congresswoman Jackie Speer. She serves on the House Intelligence Committee. She questioned Robert Mueller uh, yesterday. Uh, Congresswoman, thanks so much for joining us, uh, as always. Thank you, Jake. Um, First of all, you're in favor of beginning an impeachment inquiry. Why? What did the president do that you think deserves an impeachment inquiry? The president has obstructed justice on 12 different occasions. Even if you were to be of the opinion that he actually didn't get to go all the way through with it because Don McGahn did not follow through, the intent to obstruct justice is a crime as well. Uh, Beyond that, you had his campaign chair and his campaign deputy meet with a Russian operative associated with the GRU to hand over all kinds of polling data, not just once or twice, but over the course of the summer of 2016 to assist them in promoting the Internet Research Agency's efforts with Facebook and Twitter. This was an effort to coordinate with the Russians to intervene in the election. I think they are very compelling, and we should be required at this point in time to take action. Now, if we don't take action mm-hmm. uh, come September 1st, then we should just shut it down because we're not going to be able to do anything at all. I oh. feel strongly that we should, uh, but I think we're running out of time. It is true that Manafort handed over uh, polling information to Konstantin Kalimnik, who is said to have ties to the GRU. I'm, I don't know that it is definitive as to the reason as to why he did it, and I don't think Mueller was ever able to make a connection between handing over that polling data and the IRA, as you, as you just said. But, but I want to move on because politically, in terms of impeachment, the majority of House Democrats disagree with you. Uh, and only a handful have come out in favor of impeachment proceedings in the last two days. Um, I don't think, I think maybe one has come out since the Mueller testimony ended. If your colleagues are not in favor of impeaching him now, what makes you think any are going to change their minds uh, in the future? I mean, we've had Mueller testify. We've had the Mueller report. What more could change any minds? So there are 94 members that have come out publicly. I would say there's easily another uh, 20 to 30 that would, given the opportunity to do so. They're holding back, in part, out of respect to the speaker. Uh, But I would say that after going home and spending uh, five weeks in their constituencies, uh, if that doesn't motivate them to do it, then I think we need to shut it down because, frankly, None of the other work we're doing is getting any traction whatsoever, and we've passed over 100 bills that have been taken over to the Senate where they're lying dormant, one of which is on uh, security of election systems. And I think, I'm beginning to think that there is an interest uh, by some within the administration, starting at the very top, to allow the Russians to continue to intervene because it worked out very well for them in 2016. Why do you think that? Why do you think that there's an interest in the in the... Trump administration allowing the Russians to intervene. What evidence do you have for that charge? I'm I'm basing it just on the fact they have not indicated any interest in really delving down into this election security issue. Uh, There are many hackers that have uh, been able to hack into election machines across this country at uh, DEFCON, which takes place in Las Vegas every year. The president has never uttered a word. He still says it's a Russian hoax, even when uh, Director Mueller yesterday made it very clear there was nothing like a hoax. In fact, this is a a red flag that is going up trying to alert us that we have a huge problem on our hands. So I'm of the opinion now either we, we move forward and move forward directly 
or we shut it down because it, this is not productive. Take a listen to the chairman of the committee you sit on, the House Intelligence Committee, a Democrat Adam Schiff of California, speaking on CNN this morning. Does the country benefit going through an impeachment if it's going to be unsuccessful? Uh, and we know in the Senate, at least, it would be unsuccessful. So I'm not there yet, but I'm keeping an open mind and I may get there. Republicans control the Senate. They're going to control the Senate uh, through the next election. Why impeach the president if it is going to fail in the Senate? Because we have an obligation under the Constitution of the United States to operate independently of one branch or another or one house or another. I think the American people have a right to know, and the only way they're going to find out truly is if the Don McGahns of the world are forced to come before the committee and testify. And outside of that, I think that uh, we are we're losing that fight. All right, Congresswoman Jackie Speer, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate thank it you. as always. The Trump Justice Department making a, a surprising move that puts the U.S. on a list along with China, Iran, Saudi Arabia. What am I talking about? Stay with us. In our politics lead, a surprising reversal in the U.S. Justice Department. Despite the trend of various countries and states banning the death penalty amid story after story of DNA evidence clearing prisoners falsely accused of heinous crimes, today the Trump administration moved in the opposite direction. For the first time in 16 years, the federal government of the United States has ordered the execution of five inmates, all of them convicted of gruesome homicides. CNN's Evan Perez joins me now. And Evan... This had been a policy the Trump administration had wanted to bring back for a while now. That's right, Jake. Uh, it was Jeff Sessions, the former attorney general, who had ordered the Bureau of Prisons to study how to reinstate and how to carry out uh, executions. As you noted, the, uh, the federal government hasn't executed anyone since 2003. And now uh, the Bureau of Prisons has come up with a protocol that Bill Barr, the new attorney general, says can be used to put to, get, to, put to death uh, the first five federal prisons that have been prisoners that have been identified. Now, uh, these five prisoners, uh, the first ones would be put to death in December. Uh, some of them would be put to, to death in January. Now, there's a lot that will happen between now and then. Uh, we expect that opponents uh, of the death penalty will file lawsuits about these protocols. The federal government is essentially adopting the drugs, the protocols that states have been using in recent years in Georgia, in Texas, and other states that have been blessed, uh, including by the Supreme Court, Jake, uh, to carry out death, the death penalty on the state level. So we'll see whether those, uh, those planned executions in December happen as planned. All right, Evan Perez, thanks so much. Let's right. chew over all this uh, with our experts. Is this moving the country forward, Amanda? I mean, I, I just question the timing of why now and what's the justification for moving on this. And the only thing I can think of is that maybe Trump wants to pick a fight about the death penalty for 20, or 2020, given the firm opposition by so many of the Democratic presidential candidates. And if that's the reason for moving on this, um, I mean, that's really, really unsettling. We should always be leery. I, I support the death penalty in some cases, but it should only be used in the most rare and severe circumstances. And moving in this rushed way like this really gives me pause. What do you think, Jamal? So I was on the phone with, uh, I got a message from a, um, a friend who's really into the death penalty policy. And one of the questions they raised to me is that there's no independent judicial review of this that's going to occur. There are real questions about prosecutions when it comes to um, the death penalty. Right now, on, uh, on death row, federal death row, 34 out of 61 of the people on death row are people of color. 25 of them are black men. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so the so the prosecutions and then the procedures about how those people are executed with real concerns about the efficacy of the drugs and where these drugs even come from because American drug companies are weary, leery of having their drugs being used in executions. And we should note um, that the United States is not alone in using the death penalty, but it, the list of countries that do it is kind of questionable. There are countries on there like Japan and Taiwan, but most of them are along the lines of China, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Pakistan, Egypt, Somalia. Yeah, it's, it's barbaric. And that's, that's why most industrialized countries don't do it. And I think it's barbaric regardless of how bad the person is. Now, I know that that's not the majority position in the United States, but you know, the, the problem with this is people will say, oh, well, look at the people they're going to put to death. They're just such bad people. It's like, right, but we're not giving them the power to just put re- these really bad people to death. We're giving them the power to put anybody that they decide, you know, that's been found guilty of a crime to death. And I think that as conservatives, maybe you should be concerned about the idea of giving the government so much power. I mean, you don't trust them to run the DMV, but you trust them to to take away somebody's life. And so I think that, um, you know, I think this is definitely moving us in the wrong direction. And I think, Amanda, you're probably right. I think this is about trying to make the make 2020 more about uh, criminal justice uh, because of the positions the Democratic Party is taking that I think are correct, but probably out of the mainstream. But one quick note on that. I don't know how this move jives with his criminal justice reform policy and things like First Step. Any allies that he gained with passing First Step mm-hmm. in the criminal justice community will mm-hmm. probably be set back by this. Yeah, I, I, don't dis- I, I disagree on that. I think this is two separate, you know, death penalty kind of cases are distinctly different. I mean, if you read the specific instances, and I'm not saying that this is justified or not, but the specific instances of these five individuals, these are incredibly heinous. Horrible. Crimes. So they're no, only, horrible it's only going to be five no, people. No, 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 no I'm not, not saying that. I, I, look, I think the d- death penalty has been proven time and time again. It doesn't, rec- it doesn't do anything. That's, it doesn't drive down crime. It doesn't deter. It doesn't deter anybody. Expensive. It's expensive. You know, if you put one innocent person to death, it's, it's, it's just un- unconscionable. You know, until we get DNA testing, everyone gets it. And even then, you know, there's a lot of questions whether you should have you know, life without parole, I think, is a lot more, you know, put somebody in supermax for the rest of their life, probably a lot more of a, of a, of a deterrent than, than the death penalty and a lot, lot less expensive. It's just also interesting coming at a time when I feel like every few days on CNN.com, there's a story about somebody falsely accused right. and convicted uh, that is you know, leaving prison after 30 years in prison uh, because DNA evidence clears them. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why so many people are coming uh, moving against the death penalty not because they feel bad for these five individuals yeah certainly opposition to the death penalty uh, according to gallup is at an all-time high of 56 percent and certainly it's because we want solid dna evidence if someone committed heinous crimes like this because we have so much more knowledge of these wrongful convictions but, but if you read if you read the profiles of these five individuals and then ask the question are you for or against death penalty? I guarantee you that Gallup number. Right, but, but the government escalate. isn't the government isn't supposed to just respond oh, no. to the basis instincts I, of human beings. I understand. Like blood loss all, is not a reason. Right, to drive we all have here. those reactions. Not, blood loss is the government should be us. reacting at a higher level. We're getting a preview now of how heated it could get on the debate stage about other issues live on CNN next week, and that's next. Stay with us. We're back with our 2020 lead now and brand new insight into how former Vice President Joe Biden is preparing for next week's high stakes Democratic debates hosted by CNN. A source close to the Biden campaign says today it's no coincidence that the former VP has stepped up attacks on his opponents this week. It's part of a concerted effort driven by Biden himself to be more aggressive after that blistering 
first debate. And as CNN's Arlette Signs now reports for us, his rivals should expect to see even more of it on the debate stage. With CNN's Democratic primary debates less than a week away, Joe Biden is going after two of his biggest critics. The frontrunner Biden taking a more assertive approach in his pushback of Kamala Harris on health care and Cory Booker over criminal justice. For a guy who helped to be an architect of mass incarceration, this is an inadequate uh, solution to what is a raging crisis in our country. Biden fired back, taking aim at police practices in Newark, New Jersey, while Booker was mayor. His police department was stopping and frisking people, mostly African-American men. If he wants to go back and talk about records, I'm happy to do that, but I'd rather talk about the future. The former vice president also knocking Harris's stance that she could pay for Medicare for all without raising taxes on the middle class. Well, I find that people who say that for Medicare for all, but they're not going to tax the middle class because they don't need to do that. Come on. When was this? this a fantasy world here? The more aggressive approach is a change in tune for Biden, who said this before the first presidential debate. I think it's a gigantic mistake if Democrats, 20 or whatever number we have, go after each other. It's only going to make it easier for this guy to win. But after the last face-off, Biden decided he needed to fight back. His team insists Biden won't get personal, but will draw contrast on policy and records. You can't run for president and beat Donald Trump without leveling with the American people what you're going to do and how you're going to pay for it. At next week's debate, Biden will find himself flanked by Booker and Harris, who delivered a stinging critique on his opposition to busing last month. You know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools, and she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. Biden readying for attacks once again, telling donors last night, I'm not going to be as polite this time. But he also had this to say about his relationship with Harris. I thought we were friends. I mean, we, I hope we still will be. Now, Biden will be meeting with top staff and advisors in the days leading up to the debates, even running through some mock debates. And the campaign tells me that they are bracing for the other candidates, candidates on stage to look for their breakout moments and attack Biden. As one uh, campaign official told me, quote, everyone is looking for their T-shirt moment. And Joe Biden thinks this is bigger than selling T-shirts. That being a reference to that exchange with Kamala Harris, a little bit of the preview of the fireworks to come next week. Jake. That's right. I think uh, the Harris campaign sold a shirt that said that little girl was me. Arlette Signs in uh, the Hoosier State. Thank you so much. Uh, let's chew over all this. Uh, Kirsten, let me start with you. A senior Biden campaign official tells CNN uh, this about Biden's debate strategy. Quote, he isn't going to take hits from any of the candidates sitting down. He won't personally attack anyone, but he will be very clear about the contrast between he and the other candidates in the ranks. For example, we saw a preview of this uh, talking about how when Cory Booker was yeah. mayor of Newark, uh, the police there did stop and frisk. Yeah. Fair game? Totally fair game. Yeah, I mean, I think he, he does have to push back against this, and Cory Booker will have to answer for that um, if, if you're going to make this one of your, your core issues. And clearly, you know, Cory Booker and Kirsten, or um, Kamala Harris are attacking Biden because he's the front runner, and that's what you do. You go after the person, you know, who's at the front. Um, I do think that Biden, the Biden campaign has a good point about the T-shirt moment because 
really sudden like rises that you get like out of one moment in a debate are not as meaningful as sort of slow and steady improvements along the way. And I, so I think that you, we can overread into Kamala Harris's popularity of thinking, you know, well, she got this one big bump, but is it going to be sustained over the long haul? Well, and the other thing is that it can come across as completely convoluted and insincere if you come to the stage yeah. with with a, a, a line <laughs> and, and, it, and it falls flat. <laughs> yeah. What Joe Biden needs to do as the front runner is defend his record and sustain these attacks. But when you go into a debate looking for a fight, it never comes off good. Um, he needs to answer the attacks that he is going to get. And what worked for Kamala Harris so well is that the audience was with her the moment she, the race discussion started. She says, oh, excuse me, it's only black women on stage. I have something to say. And then she told that personal story. And so the audience was with her. They understood where she was coming from. But to go into a debate as the front runner and punch down, it's never going to look good. Well, the other thing, too, to just remember, uh, the vice president has not really been engaged in hand-to-hand political combat for a very long time. He was a 1972, sen- really. He, yeah, he was a senator in Delaware, three counties, right? And he was vice president debating Sarah Palin, right? He, he's, not, he's not been in the ring. And Paul Ryan. Well, Paul, okay, well, it's okay, again. <laughs> he, he's, not, oh. he's not been in this. Paul Ryan's a great guy, but he's Shady. Not, oh, Paul Ryan's a great, very... <laughs> but he's not a vicious he's, knife Yeah, he's fighter. not a knife fighter, right? Yeah. Paul Ryan is a, is a wonkish policy guy. He's not a guy who's going to get in there and, and, and inviscerate you, right? And so Joe Biden has got to, you know, take his gloves off and show he wants to be president. He's got to, he's got to be able to fight. And, and, and Democrats are not... You know, they're, they're, they're not going to give him any, any slack. And the other thing is the Biden campaign. There's also, do you remember the, during the um, Gore-Bush debates in 2000, there was always an overcorrection by the Gore campaign. Yeah. He did this, then the next campaign he did that. and it's and a lot uh, of nights groaning like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if, right, you remember better than I do, I wonder if there's a, there's a risk here for the vice president. His campaign says that uh, they've hired a new research team. Like, he's going to come armed with all these statistics about things <laughs> that Kamala Harris and, and Cory Booker and others did, did quote-unquote, wrong, uh, as opposed to making the case that Amanda's talking about. I'm not sure that Vice President Biden has a team problem, right? I think some of the people who've been around him are really very capable and competent staffers. The question I think I've heard from people who've seen him in public is, is he really up for the fight that he's engaged in? Is he listening to his team and then executing on the plans that they're offering him? And I think Joe Biden has been around for a long time, as we've talked about. Perhaps he knows more than other people in the room, or he thinks he does. And so that's one of the challenges. Let's talk about Cory Booker for a second, though, because I think Cory Booker also has a challenge. One of the things you hear the most about him is, is he tough enough? Uh, Is this big love movement that he's trying to lead going to be the kind of thing that will beat Donald Trump? People want to see him be tough enough. Now, remember, he's from Newark. He fought Sharp James to get that mayor's seat. They made movies about the fights he had in Newark. So he's got to recapture that same kind of spirit. And Cory Booker lives in a low-income community in Newark. He's the only person running for president who lives somewhere where people get shot fairly regularly. I think he's got a case to make. Everyone stick around. We are now five days away from the CNN Democratic presidential debates. I will be moderating along with Dana Bash and Don Lemon. You can watch the two-night events starting next Tuesday and Wednesday. Each one starts at 8 p.m. Eastern only on CNN. Late breaking today, a mass arrest of U.S. Marines taking into custody while they were in formation on a U.S. military base. The shocking charges they're facing next. A shocking story at our national lead. 16 U.S. Marines have been arrested in California, accused of illegal activities, including human smuggling and various drug-related offenses. CNN's Barbara Stark joins me now live from the Pentagon. Barbara, 
This was a pretty dramatic arrest, you said. Uh, hi, Jake. Yeah. Uh, what went down at Camp Pendleton during morning roll call was something very disturbing. 16 Marines arrested by NCIA uh, agents at that morning roll call for uh, alleged human smuggling and drug offenses. 16 of the Marines under arrest. Another eight Marines pulled aside and undergoing questioning for possible drug offenses at Camp Pendleton. It's raising questions about what they were all doing. This human smuggling the Marines were are said not to be involved in that mission on the southern border with Mexico, which is just a couple of hours away. This was a separate operation, separate uh, potential illegal activity that they were involved in. The question, of course, is how could Marine commanders at Camp Pendleton not know what was going on? It's leading to a lot of questions about the ethics and the responsibility out there. Jake? All right, Barbara Starr, thank you so much. I know you'll bring us updates on that story when you get them. Our money lead now. President Trump is running for re-election on a roaring stock market and record-level unemployment. But Democrats counter that success has not hit Main Street. And they're pushing different plans on how to level the economic playing field, they say, as CNN's Christine Romans reports. It's the economy, stupid. A strong economy is a gift for any sitting president going into an election year. We have the hottest economy anywhere on earth. We have the number one economy in the world. We're now the economic envy of the entire world. When I meet it's Trump. an advantage for President Trump, the lowest jobless rate in half a century, nearly 3% economic growth last year, the stock market near record highs. But the Democratic candidates for president are asking just who is the Trump economy working for? He has done nothing to help working families in America. Communities uh, where it's as if this recovery never even happened. Ask these people who work in this restaurant how that economy came up for them. The key for Democrats in 2020 framed the Trump economy as great for big corporations and the wealthiest Americans. I will repeal that tax bill that benefits the top 1%. Eliminating Donald Trump's tax cuts for the wealthy. It is Wall Street's turn to help rebuild the American middle class. Senators Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren want more taxes on the ultra-rich. An ultra-millionaire's tax, it's two cents on every dollar of the great fortunes above $50 million. Crack down on Wall Street. We are going to break those huge banks up. And rein in big tech. It is time to break up America's tech giants. Most of the Democratic candidates want to raise corporate taxes, tax investment profit. Some even favor putting a fee on every Wall Street trade. Frankly, this economy is not working for working people. Democrats' message that in the Trump economy, income inequality is worsening. Today, the top 1% own more wealth than the bottom 90% combined. Democrats propose raising the minimum wage, strengthening workers' rights, and implementing fairer housing policies. Senator Cory Booker wants to give newborns a bond to close a racial wealth gap. The median white family in America has nearly 10 times the wealth of the median black family. It's about time we target the creation of wealth equally for all children in America. Senator Kamala Harris wants to bring transparency to the gender pay gap. Paying people for equal work equally. While Biden, Warren and Sanders have plans to revitalize rural America. Rural economies, which are integral to the nation's success. And then there's free college first popularized by Bernie Sanders in 2016. It's critical that many Americans go into debt to earn a degree. 
frankly, that is crazy. We want you to get the best education you can without having to pay off outrageous levels of debt. This time around, all the candidates have some policy for affordable college. Most want free community college, though free college for all and canceling all debt. Uh, That's a far left position not matched by everyone. No, I'm not for free college for all. I just don't believe it makes sense to ask working class families to subsidize even the children of billionaires. Warren has proposed wiping out student loan debt up to $50,000 for some 42 million student debtors. Anyone in this country should be able to get an education without getting crushed by student loan debt. Bottom line, the Democrats say Trump's economy isn't helping all Americans. The question is, can they convince voters the same? One of the issue pieces we're doing leading up to the debate, our thanks to Christine Romans for that one. Coming up, a sick burn on a fake presidential seal behind President Trump. Who's paying for that mistake today? Stay with us. A kooky little show ender in our national lead. An audiovisual aide is now out of a job after this speech by the president this past Tuesday. If you look at this screen behind the president, that's a doctored presidential seal. It features a, a two-headed eagle instead of a one-headed eagle, and it's similar to the Russian Federation state seal. Also, instead of holding arrows, one of the birds is clutching golf clubs. The conservative student group called Turning Point USA organized the event. Its representatives are apologizing today, saying there was no malicious intent. A source telling CNN that hours before the president spoke, organizers wanted the seal to replace the group's logo on, a stage, on stage, and a worker found the fake in a Quick Google search, so a little too quick, perhaps. Uh, you do these you, college kids, <laughs> crazy college kids. You do these campaign events. Yeah, no. So it, it, it's, we, we've talked about this. Like I was just at an event this morning. There's actually an individual whose job physically carries the presidential seal, hangs it on the podium before the right. president speaks. When it's over, physically removes it, goes in the motorcade, leaves with the president. Right. That's how carefully these things are done. So. Not quite, sure, not, not quite certain. Not quite what happened here. I mean, a hundred years ago when I did this for the Clinton White House, I did <laughs> yeah. advance. You used to have to send every backdrop to the White House to get approval before it could be behind the president. I can't imagine that process is being adhered to by the Trump White House. Uh, it's, it's, just, it's a tough gig. And look, every campaign <laughs> is out there trying to make sure that they don't make mistakes like this. But it's not a campaign. It's the president. <laughs> right? No, no, but turning points USA. I mean, right. yeah. but no, but yeah. the president is yeah. there. And the yeah. point yeah. is, like, when the president's there, it's actually the White House's responsibility right. to make sure right. that the president is taken care of. So it, the person who is, should be in trouble is, is somebody in the White House. Well, a lot somebody, of politicians yeah. make mistakes when they think they're among friends. So clearly some corners got cut here and somebody uh, didn't do their job because they uh, thought it was safe. Apparently the, that seal might be the same one from an anti-Trump website. And the thing, instead of saying e pluribus unum, it says in Spanish, 45 is a puppet, meaning for the 45th president of the United States, if it in fact is the same image. It's a good bird. Double yeah. <laughs> Maybe the resistance is inside Turning Point USA. You Perhaps. might have a mole there, Charlie. Or, or whatever hotel it was. <laughs> All right, everyone, thank you so much. Appreciate it. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Jake Tapper. You can tweet the show at The Lead CNN. Our coverage on CNN continues right now. Thanks so much for watching. See you tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.